Today, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming free masterclass to heal anxiety. Now, this is especially for those of you who have tried many other programs or interventions and you feel like there's just something missing, like these treatments or therapies just keep missing the mark. Or for those of you who've been told that you just need to manage your anxiety and you know that this is utter BS because no one wants to just manage with disruptive anxiety forever. So this masterclass is sharing inside secrets of what it means to truly heal anxiety by understanding the three parts of anxiety and how these are causing problems. The link is in the show notes to register for free. See you there. Hey, and welcome back to the Ease Anxiety Podcast. In this episode, I have the absolute privilege of speaking to Brianna. She is a previous Ease Boot Camper, and she did the Ease Boot Camp with me to overcome her stuck anxiety. Now, I share her story because she is such an inspiration. To hear where she's come from and what she was struggling with and how long she was struggling with really serious anxiety and to see where she has come to now gives hope where hope is needed. So I thought I'd share her story, especially for those of you who are feeling really stuck with anxiety and worried that maybe you'll just never get back to living life again. Or maybe you're thinking that somehow you're abnormal or damaged or that you're going to be stuck like this forever. Brianna is absolute proof that you can change your life completely. So please dive into the session and listen to it from beginning to end because while the beginning is filled with what what because while the beginning is filled with what she was struggling with and the deepest deepest hole of her anxiety the end of this episode shows you where she's come to now and the kind of life that she's living and in between she shares little strategies on what she did to shift that anxiety for good I hope this brings you as much joy and inspiration and hope as it has for many of my previous clients. Brianna is actually a mentor inside our Ease Bootcamp now. So she's in there sharing this sort of inspiration and cheerleading people along so that they too can achieve what she has. So without any further ado, let's dive in and hear what Brianna has to share. Have you ever wondered why anxiety just won't budge? Like, what is it doing here anyway? Welcome to the Ease Anxiety Podcast. I'm Deanta Fuchs, a psychologist turned international anxiety coach, and I'm on a mission to share a new perspective on anxiety that puts you firmly back in control of your life so that anxiety no longer interrupts you. So grab your cuppa, get comfy, and listen in as we demystify, destigmatize, and deconstruct what you think you know about anxiety so that you can finally do what you have struggled with for so long. Ease anxiety for good. Well, hey, Brianna, thank you for joining me on my podcast. It's so amazing to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, your journey has been such an inspirational one. I'm so excited to share that with all of our listeners. Yeah, so thank you for being yes. here. Yeah. yeah. So I think the best thing to do is just dive right in. Like, can you tell us a little bit about you, where you live, and then maybe just the start of your anxiety and, and what happened for you? I am from Ohio in the United States, and I have two kids and a husband and a farm with tons of animals. So my anxiety started when I was 10 years old, mm-hmm. and it first started like I didn't know what it was what was going on. My mom kind of knew, but she didn't want to tell me at 10 years old that I had a panic attack. 
So it happened while I was eating. So then I associated that feeling, the panic feeling that anybody that has a panic attack feels with eating. And then it became an eating disorder. And then I stopped eating. I didn't eat breakfast or lunch or go on to school. And then I hated going to school. I was getting bullied. And then it just felt like it got worse every single year because I didn't know what was going on. I just thought that food was going to kill me. I was going to choke because, you know, that choking feeling that you get when you have a panic attack. Yeah. That's what I was having when I was eating. So then, yeah, it just kept getting worse. And then I got pregnant and I quit my job. And so I kind of became homebound. Well, then it became I couldn't drive anymore. I didn't really go anywhere or do anything. And my husband was home with me because he ended up getting hurt at work. So he had the whole first year off of work, I guess, paid, which was awesome because it kind of stopped that anxiety so much because he was with me all the time and he was my safe place. And then once he went back to work, then it got really bad. Like I didn't really want to go anywhere. I stayed home. We just kind of hunkered down and didn't go anywhere. And then I had my second a couple years later and we got postpartum postpartum depression. Yeah. And anxiety. It wasn't just the normal panic and anxiety. It was extreme. Like it went into really deep, dark places that I, I never wanted to be. And of course, everybody fears those really bad intrusive thoughts. So I went through that and had crazy neighbors move in. So I was afraid to go outside because it was like cops and ambulances like every day. I was afraid to take my boys outside because I didn't know what was going on over there. And I just didn't want something happen to my boys. It became that I became agoraphobic. At some points, I wouldn't even leave my bed because I was so scared to leave my safe zone. Well, then I didn't have a safe zone anymore. It became every single part of every part of my house or any part of me felt scary. Everything felt so, so scary. Let me stop you there. So just to understand this a bit more clearer, when you were little, no one ever stopped and said, hey, this is anxiety. She's anxious. They all just kind of crafted that as a eating disorder. Yeah, my mom, she didn't, she kind of had a clue because she had panic attacks, but she wasn't even like on medication or anything at that point. So she didn't really go to the doctor to find out what was going on with her mm-hmm. until I was a teenager before she started. That's when I finally got medication. She knew what it felt like and what I was going through, but she didn't really have a name for it either. But she had panic attacks and anxiety, but they didn't know what it was. Right. And then once I became a teenager and I started learning that it was anxiety. How did you learn that it was anxiety? I went to the doctor because my mom was tired of me not eating and he goes, hmm, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything checks out fine. I think you're having panic attacks and anxiety. And my mom was like, okay, that's probably what I'm going through. And so finally got help too. But she felt like if she said that to me, said that I was probably having anxiety, that she thought it was going to put like this label on me and I wouldn't be able to ever get rid of it. Yeah. Because as soon as you're labeled as having an anxiety disorder, it's pretty like, okay, that's my life. I can't, this is what I got to deal with. I can't do anything. I'm just, this is me. So yeah. Yeah. So she just didn't want that label on me and she was hoping that I would just kind of grow out of it. (laughs) And yeah, it didn't work. (laughs) 
So when you went to the doctor and they were like, well, this is just anxiety or panic. Did you feel like you were being given that label of anxiety disorder and this was your lifelong condition? Uh, yeah, because he pretty much told me you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life and this is what your life's going to be. Oh, he said uh, that? Yeah, I think I was 12, 12 or 13 when he finally told me that that's my life. He's like, yeah, you, you'll take this medication for the rest of your life and you'll have to either up your medication or you can go to therapy. So my mom put me in therapy and that was a joke. <laughs> the, the therapy I went to. Oh, it was horrible. Because? Absolutely horrible. Oh, that lady. My grandpa passed away when I was 10. And so this is a couple years later. And she sat me down in this dark room and told my parents to go out. Okay. That's like anxiety for me. Like sure. you don't take my parents away. That's my safe people. So she made me go in this room and she's like I want you to draw and I was like draw what she's like anything I was like okay I'm not a drawer she's like I don't care draw stick figures and I'm like but of what she's like of what is causing your anxiety and I was like okay because I know because I know exactly where this started and I know exactly what's going on I have no idea you're supposed to help me <laughs> like what? so then she started digging in deep like going deep into what's going on. And I left that place, I think, more traumatized. And I told my mom, I said, don't ever take me back to a therapist again. I said, please never let me have therapy again, because if that's what it's going to be, I don't want to be there. I don't want to do that. She's like, then I guess you're going to have to do medication because that's your only other option. And I'm like, I'll take whatever I got to take because I'm not going back to that lady. <laughs> oh, bless. I mean, I will say as, as a trained psychologist, that is how most psychologists would work with children, right? Like the only way mm -hmm. we can really get their information out of them is to ask them to either play or to draw because kids, well, you were an adolescent, right? Like you weren't very young. You yeah. were no. sort of 30. I could have, yeah, I could have easily like talked. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, you know, I think we can do assessments using those drawings, right? Then we can figure out like okay. what's going on. But there's a lot to be said about, giving some information as to why we're doing the drawings and maybe a bit of guidance yeah. and helping that person feel safe. But what I'm hearing you say is that the experience with that particular therapist didn't feel like a safe, nurturing, no. non-judgmental space. It felt like it yeah. was traumatizing. It felt like I, yeah, it felt like I went into a dungeon because she had it so dark in there, but I'm, she had this little tiny light on where I was supposed to be drawing and she hovered over me and watched off. It should have been like a assessment with my parents to kind of get to know each other first. And then maybe move on to, okay, this is going to be the outline of what we're doing or something. I wish they had like more information. Absolutely. Than, like the training should be different for anxiety yeah. mainly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do think that there's a lot to be said, as you say, to have some space where we're just getting to know each other before we just mm -hmm. dive into the really difficult <laughs> stuff. We've got to build yeah. some trust, right? Like we don't just ask yeah. somebody to marry them the minute we see them. Hello, will you marry me? We first <laughs> get to know each other before we do the big things. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that was one of the things that I wanted to know from you is how much information did you receive along the way that felt really unhelpful or did more damage? Yeah, pretty much everything. Because everything was, you're stuck with this for the rest of your life. It's not a good thing to have. You're never going to be able to do anything or go anywhere. That's... I was pretty much just put this huge label on me. Can't do anything. And at yeah, such a young age too, right? Yeah, because that's been my whole life. Like everything I've known is, here you go. 
here's some medication. You're stuck with that. And family too. It's just as soon as I finally was able to come out that this is what I have, this is what's going on. This is why I don't go places. This is why I have struggles doing things. It became, oh, you'll never be able to have kids because you're, you're incapable of having a life. You're incapable of doing these things. And it was hard coming from family members, them saying those things to me. And then when I got pregnant with my second, my family members told me to get rid of my baby that's in my belly because I will not be able to take care of that baby. But I already had a miscarriage before my first son. So it was like, okay, you don't, you've never even dealt with a loss. And then you're telling me to get rid of something that is mine. I'm not getting rid of my baby because this is, you know, my choice. This is what I wanted. And then you're telling me that I'm incapable of. So I think all the labels of everybody putting things on me also really is hard to deal with because it's like, well, if they think that I can't, maybe I can't. How bad of a mom am I to like, what am I putting on my kids? But it's changed a lot, thankfully. (laughs) Yeah. But it is interesting how those messages then create beliefs about ourselves. And I'm thinking as I'm listening to this, well, it's unsurprising that you landed up having postnatal depression and anxiety, right? Like if everybody has said, you're not going to cope and you're not going to be able to do this. And then you land up with baby number two, there will be a part of you that's going, well, are they right? Yeah. And plus you feel like you have no support. You feel like you do have to hide away and stay away from everybody because I was afraid to go out and then possibly have a panic attack or something in front of them or around them because then they'd be like, see, I told you, you're, you can't do this. And so I was I became so isolated that even I was afraid of my mom coming over to my house. She didn't do anything. She didn't say anything to me. It was just I feared just having to have somebody else in my home. It was just an intrusion, even though it was my mom. It just yeah. everything felt too big. Yeah. And then they might see how we're making mistakes. I'm putting that in inverted commas because we're all making mistakes, but we're afraid that they're going to judge us and that we're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if with postpartum, you kind of slack on cleaning and you slack on taking care of yourself. And of course my kids were well taken care of because I made sure that they were very well taken care of, but everything else was kind of all on my husband's shoulders and he would have to help me brush out my hair because it would get so bad and he'd be like okay we're gonna have to cut this much out of it because I cannot get it through and I'm like just shave it all off then because I don't want to take care of it anyway yeah yeah it yeah it sounds like it was a very difficult journey very difficult yeah (laughs) yeah and so Brianna what what interventions or what treatments did they put you on because I know you started with meds when you were quite young what have you cycled through well I did Zoloft from the time I was about 12 or so until I was 18. Okay. And then I stopped that because before my wedding, I was so anxious, even though I was on 50 milligrams at that time. And so I talked to my doctor and I was like, I can't even breathe. I'm having such bad panic because I'm so afraid of the wedding. I I didn't want all the people around. I was so scared. So they're like, we'll up you to 100 for a little while. And I was like, okay, so I dropped straight from 50 to 100. And so I only had two or three days on the medication before my wedding on that 100. So cleared 100. So that night I was having full on really, really, really intense symptoms. I can imagine. Heart racing, hot. I did not enjoy my bridal party. I stayed at my mom's house 
there. My mom's like, you don't want to go out and do something. I was like, if I walk out of this house, I'm just going to melt because I cannot even breathe. I am suffering so bad. I think it's killing me. I think I'm dying. And she's like, you're not dying. I'm like, I am right now. I'm going to die for my wedding. So then my wedding day, I was there, but I wasn't like, I honestly, people will tell me things and I just look at them. That happened. I wasn't even there. (laughs) I was in La La Land. My husband told me, you need to stop your Zoloft right now. You're not going to go through this anymore. You're not going to go through these symptoms anymore. You're going to, because I didn't want to be on it anyway. Yeah. And so I went from a hundred to zero. Wow. Just no tapering. Just drop. No, because I didn't tell anybody. I just did it and I was done. Ouch. So my honeymoon was terrible. And then I got back on Zoloft when I was at the end of my pregnancy with my first. Got back off. Once my husband got hurt at work. I quit that again, again, cold turkey. And then I got back on it when I was pregnant with my second. And then because I got postpartum so bad and they were like, just take more. And I'm like, I know what happens when I take more. I'm not taking any more. Yeah. Put me on something else. So they put me on Prozac. Mm. Maybe that's what it was. It works for some people. But when I got put on that, I like blacked out while I was driving. I hurried up and pulled over, thankfully. And I looked at my husband. I was like, you got to take me to the hospital. He's like, okay. So he tur- rolled all the windows down, turned the air conditioners on. I think it was like in the middle of winter. And so it was already freezing cold. So I finally got out of it. And I was like, okay, take me home. Just take me home and let me go to bed. So that night I woke him up in the middle of the night and I told him, do not go to sleep. I said, if you go to sleep, you will not wake up to me in the morning because these thoughts in my head are about to take over and I can't deal with them. Yeah. So it was really bad. It was, it was scary. Well, I didn't go to sleep. I just stayed up because I was so bad. He just held me. It was so sad because he just had to hold me in bed and he just rocked me in bed. So of course called them and told them that this is not working. And they're like, oh, you just need to up your medication. Oh my goodness. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm I'm not even taking that again. I'm not even putting that in my body again. Obviously, it's not something for me. There's other things out there. And they're like, well, if you can't do Zoloft and you can't do that, then you can't do anything. So you're just going to have to just deal with it. I just kept going, I guess. I just didn't take anything. I just dealt with it because I guess this is just my life. That's when I secluded myself. Okay. I just stayed home. And then I felt depersonalization, derealization mm-hmm. that I never felt before. But evidently over the years from so long of just that constant stress on my brain, it finally just was like, okay, I can't do it anymore. It was like November of last year when it got really bad. And I knew that it would get worse during the winter. So I went to the doctor and he's like, oh, I can put you on some really good stuff. It's going to cost you like $1,200 a month. I can't, we just can't do that. Our house payment's not even that much. I can't afford that much money a month. Mm -hmm. So he said, this is really good stuff. And I was like, if it comes down to it, I guess I'll go sell some body parts or something. I don't know. (laughs) So he told me I could take um, hydro, hydrocortisone. Is that what it's called? I don't think so. Hydro. Doesn't sound familiar to me. Anyway, so he told you you could take some sort of medication. This stuff, it just kind of makes you go to sleep. Right. It's like a sedative. Because 
Yes, that's exactly what it was. I told him I wasn't sleeping. I was so afraid to go to sleep because I knew if I woke up in the morning, I still felt like this. It was just going to get worse. And so he's like, just take this because you need to sleep. Like that's number one right now. You just need to sleep. So I tried it and I was like, holy moly, I finally slept. Like finally. And so then by the third day of taking it, I had a horrible panic attack. Like terrible when I first took it and I was like oh my gosh what is it I was fine the first few times and all of a sudden now I can't it's terrible I guess I can't take that anymore I told him what happened he gave me something different that's about all I can do and he's like you need to go to therapy and so then yeah I found you and then it was like well I went through naturopathic doctors okay we were spending three to four hundred dollars a month on supplements that were just making me go to the bathroom like crazy and making my hair fall out and it was terrible yeah and then I went through a nutritionist and she helped not completely mentally but it did help with my sugar cravings and Mm -hmm. exercising right and things like that so she and she was a huge spiritual help she was a big Christian and that's what I am so she helped me a lot with that journey too so that was nice but then I was still mentally struggling so then my decompressing was TikTok. That's ah. how I kind of escaped life and try to escape yeah. my own mind. So then I would just sit on TikTok for hours. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the thing that most people don't really talk about, right? Is how much it's actually costing them to try and find these strategies or interventions or treatments. <laughs> and over the period of, of trying to find the thing that works, it costs hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Like people just don't yeah. see that, right? We're looking, of course, at the mental struggle and the mental cost of it, but there is also a financial burden there. But, you know, you have been to Helen back and you have had (laughs) huge amounts of experiences with treatments and people and and things that don't work, but that's not where you are today, right? You're not that person anymore. So can you tell me a little bit about who you are now and how things have changed? Oh my gosh. I love myself. I love me. Like for the first time in my life, I can sit and go, Hey, you know, I've been telling so many people this, that if I was somebody that I sat across from and talked with, I would absolutely love that person. I would want to just hang out and never want them to leave. That's who I am. I'm the type of person that once I believe in something, I'm all in. Nothing will stop me from being all in. And so I have very strict things like with car seat safety and there's other things with my kids that I'm absolutely not. And homeschooling, it's a personal, religious, everything reason. Yeah. But everybody's like, oh, it's too much for you. You can't do that. And I'm like, I will do it. I will show you that my boys are going to graduate from homeschool from me teaching them. And you will see, oh, she did it. And look at the boys. Look at where they're at. I was so afraid to say things to people because I didn't want confrontation. I was so afraid of somebody feeling offended by me. Yeah. I know. I know so much more about myself. I have grown into the confidence of me and I don't know. I can't even explain how much happier I am because not only am I more confident with myself, with my thoughts, my everything, plus my parenting. Like I was always so afraid that I would do something to screw my kids up and they'll be screwed up for life. And it's like, you know, (laughs) we all make mistakes as parents and I I know that I'm doing the best I can. But yeah, so yeah, I love me. Like my husband's seen a huge, even family members, my cousin commented, she's like, I've watched you go 
be sucked in from anxiety and seeing you now it's just like she's like it just makes me cry I'm just so happy that you are where you are and I'm like yeah I know <laughs> I couldn't live like that incredible no right like those internal shifts that happen the beliefs that change the, the fact that you like yourself that in and of itself is just gold gold yeah but there are mm-hmm. lots of other things that have changed as well, right? You can leave home. You are riding your horses. Tell us oh, a little yeah. bit more about the <laughs> stuff that's changed in your life and what you're capable of now. Well, I've been able to drive by myself to my husband's work, but I haven't done that in um, seven years, I guess, yeah. probably, because that's the last time I worked and that's the last time I went that way. <laughs> and it's a highway. So I haven't been in a store by myself for about 10 years, at least. It honestly might be longer. So I went to a store by myself, completely by myself. And I was in there for like an hour and a half or so, just walking around, shopping, getting what I was just like, whoa, who's this? (laughs) Like I get to actually just walk in a store without hearing my kids. I love my kids to death, but they are very overstating in the store. (laughs) Absolutely. I hear you. Yeah. So even checking out was a huge, even if I was with my husband, I hated checking out because mm-hmm. looking at the money, having to deal with other people in the line and stuff and waiting, I had to wait. I had to check out. I had to do all that stuff. And I was like, I did it. And so I walked out with a big smile on my face with the back. I got to load the car by myself. So I know now that if I wanted to go into a store by myself, I can, like, there's nothing really stopping me from going in and getting yeah. what I need. Even if I have a panic attack I know I'm okay so then I can go into big stores like I don't know if you guys have Walmarts but Walmarts yeah. Lowe's home improvement stores now I can walk into the store without having a second guess walking into that store I used to sit in the car my husband would be like are you going and I'm like no no I'll stay in the car the only time I stay in the car now is if my youngest is taking a nap if he fell asleep I'm not waking him up he gets cranky so but yeah even today Today, we were sitting there trying to figure out what store we wanted to go into to get all the things. And I was I was like, well, I guess we can just go into Walmart because we had to get dog toys and some different things plus groceries. We'll just go in there and get everything. And he's like, look at you. You don't even think about it. You're just like, let's go to Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, so how did you achieve that, Brianna? How did you get from being this girl who was literally stuck in her room unable to leave to this person who's now loves herself loves her company stands up for herself and offers to go to walmart uh your boot camp (laughs) the shifting the thoughts the whole the whole process putting the time the boot camp was honestly a lifesaver like it's scary to think of where i could be if i didn't join the boot camp the money was the most well-spent money that I think I've spent in my entire life. Like I would, I don't, I would never regret putting that for myself because of where I was at, where people get stuck and they don't know how to get out of it. And people tell you so many things that you're just stuck. Like, this is it. This is your life. Here you go. This horrible thing that's just on you. And it's like, no, once you get in the boot camp and do it, you realize that, you know, it's, it's okay. It's yeah. normal. It's natural. And it's okay. And if you do have a panic attack, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. Now I realize even if I do have one, I can get through this. I've gotten through it last time. I get through it every time, but most of the time I make it so much worse than it really is. So then yes, it does es- escalate into this horrible, crazy thing. But when you can just accept it and go, Hey, you know, 
yeah, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now, a little overstimulated. So what, if you can think of like one or two like major shifts that happened that allowed you to make these changes, what would those be? Um, you telling me that, uh, it's not going to kill me. The panic and anxiety is not going to kill me. And then being able to, when I go do something that I know is possibly going to cause anxiety, it's just, okay, you know, I might have it. I, I just accept that it's, it might be there, you know, and if it's there, you just grab it and take it along with you. You don't have to make it who you are. You can just make it the little kid. Like that's my favorite way to look at it. It's a little scared kid and you just pick it up and take it with you and be like, let's go and talk to yourself very, very kindly. I've realized during this that I am just as important as every single other person on this earth. I am as equal as everybody else. And so once I got that in my head that, you know, if I go in a store, I would normally be like, oh my gosh, that person has more reason to be here than I do. So I just need to get out of their way. Now I'm like, no, like I, I'm here too. I'm, I'm not going to be rude, but I'm just as important as they are. I have all rights to be here just like yeah. they do. And so, yeah, it's just being able to talk to myself the way that I would talk to some, like my kids, like when they get scared, it's like, oh, okay, it's okay. Let's try this together. Yeah. So that's what I tell myself. If I get panic or anxiety, I'm like, Hey, let's try this together. It's going to be okay. We'll get through this. We'll just do it together. If I was driving and having a panic attack, like I, I'm capable of driving. I know how to drive. Let's just do this together. And if you need to take a break and take a breather, that's okay. We'll take that breather and we'll move on and keep going. So yeah. You definitely nailed the acceptance piece, right? Like just leaning into and having the anxiety yeah. instead of feeling afraid of it. What is something mm -hmm. that you would tell a listener, someone who is maybe stuck in anxiety and they're feeling, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get my life back. Will I ever be normal again? How do I, what do I do? What would you, what advice would you give? Uh, so the biggest thing is to realize it's not, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. It's not going to kill you. And you've gotten through every single one of them. You can get through any of them. But if you feel it coming on, just sit there and go, it's okay. We're okay. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're at home in your safe zone or in the store. You're still going to be the same person, have the same feelings. I might be able to feel a little scarier outside of your zone, but it's still going to have the same reaction. And if you're able to say, hey, we're okay we're yeah. safe, we're fine, then it don't feel so big. Like I know now if I go through it again, not go through the stuck anxiety, but if it starts creeping up, I know that with that, I can go, Hey, you know, we're okay. It's yeah. okay to feel like this. We'll get through it. And I just got through it. I got through some of the worst right? things in my life. And so I can get through a little bit of this. That's if anybody feels that way, I, I know that you can get through it. Yeah. without having to go and get all these medications and go through all these things. I know 100% that you can overcome it without all those things. It just takes you. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And yeah. I love that you brought up the fact that there is 
all this anxiety that you already dealt with, like you went through horrific panic attacks and, and a horrific not eating and all the experiences. And yet somehow every time the next anxiety attack comes, we have this belief that we're not going to survive it. Mm-hmm. Yet we've survived already, what, 18 years you went through, right? Yeah. And yep. this is what happens with, with anxiety is we somehow believe this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that takes me out. But yet we've yeah. already had the worst that we can and we've already survived it. And the brain just does not take that on as evidence for the fact that you've got it, what it takes. And mm-hmm. also that anxiety really is not going to bring you to your knees, not in the way mm-hmm. that we imagine at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what's next for you? What's next for you now with your next part of your journey? I don't know. Cause I am doing so much now that I don't yeah. feel like I'm really missing out. I don't, I felt like I felt like I was missing out on everybody's lives when I just would be like, no, I can't go. I don't want to go. I can't go do that. I've been to the fairs with thousands of people surrounding me. We drove around for vacation all over the place and went to everything. And I felt f- I was fine. Um, I really don't feel like I'm out of it anymore. I feel like I'm living life to the fullest where I'm at in my stage in life. With my boys being young and stuff, there's not a whole lot that we want to go out and adventure and do things. Because my husband, he loves being part of everything. So everything that's big in their lives, I want, of course, to include him. I just, I'm excited to see as they get older, the things that I'm able to do that I thought I would never be able to do because I really thought that, you know, they're just going to have to be home with me until they're able to drive and then they can go out and do their things. And now it's like, I don't, I even feared that when they got their license that I wouldn't be able to be the one in the passenger seat with them. Cause I thought I wouldn't be able to leave the house. Yeah. I thought I was just stuck that this is my life and I couldn't do anything with them. So now I get to, I get to teach my boys how to drive. We get to do things and yeah, the horse thing, that's been amazing because the fear of that, the picture is so much bigger now. I was so afraid to ride because I my confidence level, mm. because it's been so long since I've ridden. And I feel like if I go out there and ride, then the people that have been riding are going to be like, oh my gosh, can she even ride? And even though I've been riding since before I could sit up, I felt so incapable of doing it. Now, you know, whatever. I've gained some weight. I'm not where I want to be, but I can still do this. Yeah, it's going to take time and practice just like anything else. But now I don't fear riding in front of people. I plan on showing and I'm going to actually train my young horse on my own and do all the things that I've always wanted to do and the different shows and even the big stuff. I have to ask my husband, can we travel and go to like different shows? Because I don't I don't fear traveling now. Like we just went <clears throat> and got a puppy last night <laughs> out of nowhere because we're dealing with livestock issues we our chickens keep going missing so we got a great pyrenees to help protect all the animals and i yes. out of nowhere i was like all right let's go i don't care how far away we gotta go it wasn't that far away but it was dark and windy roads but yeah even if it was a couple hours away i was like let's go none of that affects me anymore i'm yeah. telling you the feelings that i used to have just thinking about having to leave the house was just so bad and now I'm just like let's go what are we gonna do next where are we gonna go what are we gonna do it's just it's so freeing it really is you don't want to be locked down like that (laughs) no no oh thank you so much for sharing your story it is honestly it is one of the most inspirational stories I've heard because I think 
it's the two extremes, right? Like super, super stuck in a very, very mm-hmm. dark hole for a really long time. And then coming out the other end. And as you said, now I'm so excited to just live my life and just be there <laughs> yeah. and be present for it yes. and to see that that is possible. And I think there's so many people out there that do stuck, struggle with stuck anxiety, but they have either that it's been for a really long time or it's in this really dark hole or, you know, mm-hmm. they've traveled through a variety of different medications and feel hopeless. Um, And there are some that have all of them, much like yourself, but it's really, it's really inspirational and hopeful to hear from somebody who's had all of that. And then she's sitting here going, I'm so excited about my life. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So that wraps up today's episode. And I have a huge favor to ask. If you found any value in what you heard today, please be sure to leave a review. I assure you it is not to stroke my ego, although it does help me to know that you love the show, but to help the algorithms get this episode into the hands of others who might need it. Make sure you follow the Ease Anxiety podcast so that you never miss a future episode. And lastly, I really love to connect. So find me on TikTok or Instagram and be sure to say hi. All the links are found below in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in.